Welcome to Light Trees and News, pop culture, politics, and a sprinkle of treason. I'm joined today by Meredith. Oh, hello. How's it going? How are things in Wisconsin? Uh, they are extremely cold, as one might expect in wintertime in Wisconsin. And uh, Yeah, I think for people who don't live in the Midwest, they don't understand, like, y'all's winter is different. Because I've been a big baby recently because we just got a huge snowstorm in New York City. We're about to get another one. And I'm, like, on the brink on, like, a nice day lately. So this has been, like, spiritually devastating for me. But the other day, you I think you, like, posted the forecast or something. And it was, like, a high of 10 degrees. And I was, like, holy God. Oh, yeah. That has been the forecast for a while. And a lot of them got projected downwards so there are several days where the low is something like negative 15 no ma'am no without the wind chill so let's just say it feels biting and how is rosie for people who don't know maybe this is the first episode they're listening to meredith has an adorable little dog little corgi named Rosie and Rosie's very low to the ground and she's got these short little legs. And I imagine it's just a very intense experience for her to be outside or is she like fine? Cause she's got like a winter jacket on all the time. She does not care. Wow. That has been astounding to me. I thought, well, she must get cold even in the winter. She's, She's from Wales. It's not like she's from Siberia. Uh, but you know, no. though, the more I think, she's like stocky, you know? So she is kind of built to be uh, hardy, even though she's so small. Yes, but the, yes. Yeah, so yesterday I took her outside. The wind chill was negative 10, I think. And she just laid down in a snowbank. She just laid wow. down. Okay, so uh, Rosie's a warrior queen, and you and I are just babies, is what I'm learning. Stupid babies. This okay, that's fair. I am, uh, I'm just accepting, and that's okay. That's okay. I'm a big, stupid baby, and that's just how I'm built. Yeah, and and I'm from, like, I am a Scandinavian warrior queen, and yet. And yet. This has been more than I am particularly interested in handling. Um, my mask froze to my face the other day no I see that that's too much that's like we don't need to be outside although you have to go out because you have to walk Rosie I am a lunatic and I go for like a six mile walk every morning and every time I'm like why am I doing this because especially now especially if it's like snowing and there it's like very windy and there's hypothermia warnings I'm just like what is my damage but if I don't do it I'm a complete basket case. Yeah. And that is the the problem, really. It's that you need the exercise, you need the outdoor time, and then somehow you just suck it up. And I I don't want to do that. I want to be under a blanket yeah. and cozy and knitting and sitting by a fire, not like tromping through the tundra. 
Okay, so listen, you and I have so much to talk about, but... Oh, my God. (laughs) Before we get to everything, uh, I I have a Patreon, patreon.com slash Allison Kilkenny, and the beginning of every month, I put out a call where I'm just like, send your recommendations, any questions, any comments, but also just like, check in, you know, like, how are you guys doing? This is a very intense moment in our history. Some of you have been listening to me, to the show, to my other previous shows for years and years and years. I like hearing from you guys, like, how are you doing? Just general updates. So I got quite a few of those that I want to go through. The first one is from Jay, and they send a recommendation uh, for Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared, which I, I love. Great title. It's a series of short videos on YouTube with Sesame Street-style puppets in a parody of those type of puppet shows. It's a surreal comedy horror. Jay, what an interesting recommendation. I've never heard of Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared. I'm going to check it out. It sounds real weird. And uh, that's my uh, aesthetic, I would say. Real weird. Anytime you're like, I feel high watching this, I would probably like it a lot. Yeah, messed up puppets, you really can't go wrong. Exactly, exactly. Brian writes in, well, and this is just a general update from Brian. Well, I dyed my hair today. It's my birthday. Oh, I've been getting into wood turning videos on YouTube lately. The best ones are the ones where the host doesn't talk. They must mean host, correct? Yeah, they must. Okay. The host doesn't talk, and you just watch them work. They turn out amazing stuff. Uh, Pun not originally intended. I didn't know there was a pun there, Brian. Using just woods, epoxy resin, and depending on the video materials as diverse as nails, bowling balls, or colored paper. Okay, very specific recommendation, but... Some of y'all are freaks, okay? You like when Eric comes on the show and recommends pens. So maybe some of you would really like wood-turning videos. Uh, Brian, congratulations on dyeing your hair and happy late birthday. And thank you for sending an update about what you're doing. Angela, okay, I, I feel like I need to preface this next one with I get alerts from Patreon when I get a new comment But if you include an image or say anything that would provide important context for what you're saying in the in the comment, I don't receive the image. So I just got a message from Angela out of nowhere that says, I just wanted to let you know that it's been October 2018 in my office for the last two years. So, of course, I was like, what the hell does that mean, Angela? What a cryptic message to get. And I clicked on it. Angela, bless your heart, still has years and years and years ago, I sold calendars that were just photos of Desmond and Penny. And Angela has kept October 2018, which is a a very flattering, very um, sultry photo of Desmond, up in their office for like the past two plus years to keep the photo of Desmond, which I thought was very, very sweet. So Angela, thank you. 
I was very confused, though, for a good 10 seconds. Oh, that was I remember those calendars, though. They were they, they were, were good. Really wonderful. Yeah, they were really good. There were very, very good photos of um, I, you know, Penny, you know, it wasn't Penny. It was just Desmond. And here's why. It's not because I favor Desmond over Penny. Desmond is like ridiculously photogenic and like knows his angles a little bit. Like when I pull out my phone, like he works it. He does. It's bizarre. Like he gives me good face in every photo. He does. So, and Penny often looks like she's about to murder you. Which is charming in its own way. Like I think it's very funny that Penny looks just murderously angry in every photo. I think that's a charming part of her personality. But I also would understand why you wouldn't want it up in your office to like motivate you every day. Cause she just looks like she's telepathically telling you to burn the place down, you know? Oh, Whereas yeah. Desmond's a little like more like, oh, look at this adorable fat cat. And he's just working his angles. Yeah. So I mean, he's very dumb, but he is very pretty. Oh my God. He's so dumb. You guys, you, uh, I don't even share some of the stories with you, but he's so dumb. Mark writes in, I want, this is a specific ask. I like it, Mark. I like that you had a very specific ask. I don't know if we can do it, but it's interesting. You've planted an interesting seed in my brain. So Mark writes, I want you, Eric, and other improvisers to play Dungeons and Dragons. Okay? So he comes out hot right out the gate where, where they're like, here's my, my big ask. Okay? That's a big ask, Mark. Even if we don't see or hear it. So this could be like on our own clock, our own time. I'd like to hear about the experience. Okay, so that's the first part of Mark's message. Mark, interesting pitch. Here's the issue. So just a nightmare logistically, right? Getting all improvisers who would do it on the same page to record it. That's like a separate podcast. Those podcasts do exist, by the way, where you can listen to comedians and improvisers play Dungeons and Dragons. While I have not listened to any of them, I did hear an episode of uh, Newcomers with Nicole Byer and Lauren Lapkus, where they did like a mini Dungeons and Dragons session for Lord of the Rings. That was very funny. <laughs> <laughs> and I highly recommend it if you want to go listen to it. They had never played Dungeons and Dragons before. It's really charming. It's really cool. Here's the issue, though. So much of a successful Dungeons, as I understand it, because I don't play Dungeons and Dragons, so much of a successful Dungeons and Dragons session, is that what you would say? I'm, I'm sorry if I'm being offensive right now, um, relies on having a good DM, Dungeon Master. So we would need someone who's, like, very skilled to carry that episode, and those people do exist, especially in the comedy improv community, because we're a bunch of nerds. So I could find somebody, I'm sure. But that's the only thing that would be like an obstacle where like Eric and I would totally do it. We'd be totally down, but I would want a good DM. So, yeah. Although luckily, since everyone has started playing Dungeons and Dragons recently and no one has anywhere to go, yes. you could find a very talented DM for Great you. point. This is like the perfect time. I know so many people who do those podcasts, who like meet with a group of friends weekly and like this is what they do. So it, it's definitely doable. Like I said, Mark, interesting seed that you've planted in my brain. I'll get back to you. So then they have a second part of this message. 
And it's a fucking ghost story, everybody. (gasps) Because I put out a call where I was like, what happened for like so many weeks in a row? We were getting these great ghost stories and then they just stopped. And I don't know if y'all thought I was done, but I say every time, spooky is not seasonal. Send me your fucking ghost stories right now. Okay. So Mark writes, there is a town called Silver City in Nevada, and allegedly it's a ghost town, now a tourist attraction. And when I went there, it was not impressive. Okay, so this is just a review of a ghost town that Mark is not impressed with. Specifically a moment where we were in a quote-unquote hot spot, and we were going to wait to see if we got a reading, but one of the tour guides was kind of toward the back, And I was a little near him, and he just looked at me. In hindsight, I got the impression that he wanted me to leave because he wanted to turn something on to trigger a meter reaction. Mm. A bummer because this place was hyped. So Mark inadvertently uncovered a scam, kind of, where, like, maybe they they have the place rigged. Mark, you're basically a journalist. Yeah, at this point, that's the sort of, that's the debunking that I need. Certainly before uh, you end up getting stuck in that ghost town at night and then all Mm -hmm. of the ghosts do come for you and it becomes one of those found footage horror movies that I've watched. That's the movie. Many of. That's the movie of this where Mark is the city, big city slicker cynic who comes in. Mark, I don't know where you're from, but this is who you are in my head now. And is like, what is this? hillbilly shit it's not real they stay in the town overnight and guess what mark goes surreal and now you and your arrogant friends are in a boatload of trouble gonna get ugly it's gonna get ugly ghost style and then finally message from olivia hi allison maybe this is too broad but are there particular lefty journalists or news podcasts that you especially respect and could recommend. Okay, so let's let's deal with the first part of that. Um, Meredith, do you have any specific lefty journos or news podcasts that are like your go-to? Um, you mean besides this one that almost never talks? Oh, about news? Hmm. oh thank you. Oh, thank you. Yes, beside um, me, if you, for whatever reason, want to listen to somebody else, I don't get it. But do you have any other recommendations? Uh, I mean, I usually go with uh, a lot of the BBC podcasts where they uh, there's there's just a whole host of them where they kind of run through uh, the stories. You know, the British version of the Daily, um, more or less. Uh, so you get to avoid the creeptasticness of Michael Barbaro and Andy Mills, but, and get soothing British accents. Uh, but I have not been getting my news through podcasts. No, me either. I used to subscribe to a bunch of like, BBC was definitely one of them, but I, it was just way too much. I used to listen to Democracy Now! every day and it was just so heavy that I, I had to stop doing that for my own mental health, but obviously Democracy Now! Great. Um, I, Honestly, I just looked at my phone. The only one I still subscribe to, and I'll explain why in a second, nobody attack me, is Today Explained from Vox because 
the episodes are incredibly short. They're like 20 minutes and they'll hit the big news items of the day and get the fuck out. And like, listen, they're not as lefty as I would like, obviously. Um, but they do a decent job with some of the stories just breaking down, like what's happening in Myanmar. Like I'm so not an expert. I don't know what the fuck's happening. That's why I don't even dare to explore it on this show just because I, you could find a million better sources and like, why would I say something uninformed? But uh, like for something like that, where I'm just like, what's happening? Like they're, they're decent. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think that here's another plug for really keeping up your media literacy skills because you can listen to almost any basic news podcast that tries to have that nonpartisan edge to it, you know, or sort of vibe to it, which is Vox or The Times or even NPR. Yeah. And listening to that you can start to read between the lines after they lay out the basic elements of it um and i have found that to be more useful for myself than trying specifically to seek out explicitly lefty outlets um in part because sometimes there are some really i don't want to say let's call it blinkered analysis. Mm-hmm. Um, and frankly, I'd rather do the analysis myself or find someone I trust to read about than I want mm-hmm. someone who's like us telling me what to think about it. Yes. You know what I mean? Because um, we're idiots. Oh my God, so oh. dumb. I, I can't say it enough, guys. Um, th- her brain works <laughs> okay, best day. Um, so... <laughs> As close as I get these days to politics, I I listen to a lot of uh, podcasts that monitor the extreme right and militias and QAnon. So I can give a few recommendations for that. I really like the QAnon Anonymous podcast. Um, I really have been enjoying, well, enjoying is a weird word to use for it, but Behind the Bastards with Robert Evans. And then there's another podcast, um, Worst Year Ever, that is a bunch of lefty folk. They're great. They were obviously following the election very closely, but they also dip into QAnon and monitoring the extreme right. Um, A few of them, I think, are Portland-based, so they cover the Portland protests a lot, but they're all good peeps. Uh, A lot of them are journalists, and uh, they're lefties. So maybe check those out. Good recommendations. Yeah, the the QAnon Anonymous guys have been following QAnon. Like, they were some of the earliest people, um, you know, trying (laughs) to warn the mainstream media where they were like, you got to take these guys seriously because a bunch of them are about to run for office, and it's going to be bad. And lo and behold, Marjorie Taylor Greene. So we're going to get to her in a second, obviously. But Olivia has a second part of their message. Also, I can't remember if you've talked about this on the show, but I recommend The Stranger, which is a dark and suspenseful British crime drama about a mysterious stranger who shows up and reveals a secret that sets off a series of dark events. Olivia, I also can't remember if I talked about it on the show, but I have seen The Stranger, and I also recommend it. It's very good. 
I have seen it too. It is very good. Very compelling. Very, very compelling. Check it out. Um, so speaking of recommendations and thank you to everybody who sent Patreon messages. That is a revolving ask an ongoing ask. So feel free to send messages whenever recommendations, comments, I'll read them on the show. If you're a supporter of mine over at Patreon, basically your VIP, you get to skip the line. I very rarely <laughs> checked the email for uh, light trees and news. I occasionally do, but your, your best bet is that mainline approach. So it just helps you skip the line and get your shit read, which is good. So uh, speaking of recommendations, I have a few and I'm sure you do as well, Meredith. I highly recommend The Sound of Metal on Amazon. It is, and this is not a spoiler, it's it's in the trailer. It is the story of a heavy metal drummer who uh, goes deaf, loses his hearing. And it's so well done because it's, it's about our relationship with um, ableism, but also the human desire to hold on to the past, even as our present is changing and watching this man played by uh, the wonderful Riz Ahmed struggle to reclaim something that is gone and how he is just making himself miserable because he thinks of being deaf as a handicap even as he's experiencing all of these wonderful things in this community he discovers of other uh, deaf people. Instead of just enjoying that, he is struggling to go back in time, which obviously he cannot do. I also specifically wanted to shout out, uh, there's an actor named Paul Racy, who gives an absolutely incredible performance in this movie. I hope he gets nominated for all the awards. Um, and it is directed and written by Darius Martyr, who, if you ever saw The Place Beyond the Pines, is a, a really talented director. Um, they do a wonderful job with this movie. And yeah, Riz Ahmed is just, I, there were like several moments where I was watching it where I'm like, he's one of the greatest actors of his generation. Yeah. I mean, he has not missed in a single thing he's been in. And between training so that he actually had the physicality to do the drumming part of it. Yes. And also working with uh, learning ASL and hanging out with deaf people. I mean, the guy really, he spent like, I feel like I read somewhere he spent like nine months doing prep for it. Uh, just really tries to get it right and respect the deaf community in a way that I think more actors should should take into account if they're going yeah. to try and um because this is a story of someone losing their hearing starting with as a hearing person going deaf as opposed to having someone who has you know who is who's ASL is their first language or they've been a part of the deaf community for their you know almost all of their lives um it is like I think it's important to see those stories depicted in a compelling and compassionate way. So, and the the film creators obviously they took a lot of care with casting um, 
I don't want to use the word authentic, but actually deaf people and and people who grew up knowing ASL because they had deaf parents or something. So there is a lot of care taken to be true to the experience of what it's like to be a deaf person. There's really fascinating insights into the lives of deaf people. Like I was unfamiliar with a lot of like the technology they use to like how do they talk on the phone with someone? You know, stuff that me as a person um, who can hear, I've never considered before because I am privileged in that way. I don't have to walk through the world uh, navigating obstacles like that. I, I also want to say the sound editing on this show or on this movie is bananas good. The way that when he first starts to lose his hearing, I like truly I felt like on the verge of a panic attack for him because it's so obviously frightening to go from a person who can hear to a person who cannot hear and to have no tools available to him to deal with that is so scary, which obviously makes it so wonderful when he finds this community of like really capable deaf people who not only know how to deal with all that stuff, they're fucking thriving and they're happy and they're wonderful people. And you just feel like this enormous, enormous sense of relief for him, you know? Yeah. Um, also, if you are a person whose hearing is, I don't want to say normal, but if you're a hearing person, please wear your earplugs if you ever go to shows again. Oh yeah. It oh yeah. Is, you know, we make a lot of decisions that are very cavalier with our hearing. And I would even say like maybe on the subway, you know, it made me think a lot about how noisy my life used to be just being in the city and stuff. Oh, yeah. Like even my I've I've been in the city now for 16 years. And during that time, I've noticed like parents of newborn babies getting way more mindful about putting like noise canceling headphones on their babies on the subway because I'm like right we are exposed to constant deafening noises in the city and and we don't really think about how it's affecting our hearing yeah um also good plug for learning some ASL if you can <sighs> or if you're in I really really want to I I I know how to do the alphabet and like some very basic signs but Watching the, I have always thought ASL is beautiful to watch. And I love this idea of this language with your hands. I think it's just really beautiful. And I, that's one of my goals for, I'm like, okay, when the world's no longer insane, <laughs> I would really, really love to learn ASL. Yeah. I have a close friend who's a CODA, a child of deaf adults. So ASL is her first language. And she has been saying for at least a decade, that we are we we are all of us wasting a golden opportunity when it comes to sign language because imagine the conversations you could have in bars or any loud location it's a great could, point uh, also i mean yeah, most people as honest. they get older you know your your hearing doesn't and it's just like it's helpful like even if you can still kind of hear if i'm also talking with my hands it's just a way to like confirm what I'm saying and clarify. And it's like, yeah, why not learn another language that could be such a helpful tool for everybody? Yeah, exactly. Love it. Uh, and I have another recommendation, uh, less serious, I would say. Lupin, 
on Netflix is a really, really fun, very cheesy, old-fashioned heist story. It is French as fuck, starring Omar Sy, who is just the most handsome and the most charming actor you will ever see. And he plays Lupin. Um, he's our he's our little thief. He steals art and and the like. It's such fun cheese. It's a good story. The pacing is excellent. It's only like six episodes, so it flies by. Um, and it's nice to see a story that addresses race and class and that overlap, you know, and is about invisible people in a non-U.S. setting. Because it, I feel like a lot of the time we see those themes explored, it's very America-centric. And it's just interesting to see somebody in France <laughs> dealing with those issues. It's like, right, yes, this, these are issues everywhere. And it's not always about America. Um, I Listen, I loved my time in France. I saw some horrific racism while I was there. Well, so uh, really shocking that there's racism in France. <laughs> yes. Brutally repressed. Yeah. How many countries? <laughs> and uh, listen, we're not... Um, yeah, this was during when Obama was president. So uh, I saw some uh, shocking imagery while I was there. But um, yeah, it, Lupin is very fun. Uh, Lupin, if you're American, L-U-P-I-N on Netflix. Check it out. And then finally, Industry. Meredith, have you seen Industry? I have not. I've heard of it. I know I need to get on it. Oh, you know what? I said finally. Oh, God, fuck. I have so much to talk about. All right, listen. The pop culture section is going to go long. Uh, so Industry is on HBO Max. It's about a group of young grads who are competing for spots in one of London's top investment firms. Um, I watched this in one sitting. It was so fucking good. It passed the phone test hardcore. I didn't look at my phone once. I was on the edge of my fucking seat watching this show. And it's absolutely wild to me that everybody isn't talking about um, Nyala Herald and Ken Leung's performances because they give two of the best performances I've seen in any show recently. And... This show has, like, very specific buzz among, like, TV critics, but I don't think it's, like, found mainstream success yet, and it's bananas because it is so excellent. Uh, it's just so great. I really want everybody to check it out. So if you have HBO Max, do watch Industry. Um, some phenomenal performances, very diverse cast, and... Yeah, I just, I really want everybody to discover it just so they can, like, experience what I experienced with it. And then flip side of that, so my industry is my hardcore wreck, my hardcore anti-wreck, Malcolm and Marie on Netflix. Oh, <laughs> boy. This movie fails on every level which makes me very sad because obviously I love Zendaya. I love John David Washington. I think they're incredibly talented. Um, and listen, I don't want to remove agency from them because these are two incredibly talented, intelligent performers who read that fucking script and decided they wanted to do it anyway. So I'm a little mad at them too. 
but I'm specifically mad at Sam Levinson, who of course is the, the director of Euphoria, hence Zendaya being in Malcolm and Marie. It is so, so Sam Levinson wrote and directed Malcolm and Marie, and it is so creepy and disturbing to me that he uses these black characters and actors as his personal vessels to vent his frustrations about the movie industry and the whole like PC culture run amok bullshit. Like it's so creepy to me that this white director and writer was like, I've got things to say about anyone who dares criticize me. And in a creepy way is trying to like, get ahead of any negative buzz of Malcolm and Marie where he's like, and by the way, if you don't like this movie, you're who I'm talking about right now. It's like, fuck you, dude. Is this also the son of Barry Levinson? He sure is girlfriend. So we have like King of nepotism, Sam Levinson being like, I earned my spot here. And it's like, you definitely did not. You're the definition of nepotism. That's why you are who you are. Sorry if that makes you upset or gives you feels about daddy. But, you know, you were born with a silver spoon in your mouth. You already had all of these industry, um, all of these ways to break into the industry just because of like your birthright. Um, you are a white man. Sorry if that upsets you. <laughs> so like you are open to these types of critique in your work. And now you have taken two very famous black actors and you are writing about like woke culture and like what it means to be a black director in Hollywood. You as a white man are putting words in John David Washington's mouth about, you know, uh, Barry Jenkins and what that means for him to be a director in Hollywood and how he's always a black man for it's like wild that he attempted this movie. Yeah. Well, you know, not being Max Landis is no longer enough <laughs> to make you your thoughts worth seeing. Yes. Um, <laughs> so yeah, Malcolm and Marie, I, I can't think of anything nice to say. I mean, the performances are really bad. Like it truly, it, it fails on every level. The house is cool. And uh, some of the direction is strong. Uh, there's a very cool shot from the exterior of the house where we're looking into the house and it just pans back and forth as John you David Washington is needs. pacing around. Uh, that looks very cool. So there are like these moments of, of strong direction. That's the only nice thing I can say about it. I'm, I'm astounded that you even bothered with that. Like it I know. Really is one people should avoid. Yes, do avoid it. It 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 goes on for a fucking eternity. It's only an hour 40 and I felt like I was watching it for 3 hours. At time stopped, I think. I saw myself as a child. It was very weird. Um don't watch it. And then listen, I've already recommended the show um on this pod before. I'm doubling down because of ep- episode 5. Y'all know that something big happened. I won't spoil it. WandaVision is a good fucking time. I was deliriously happy after episode five for obvious reasons. I'm so excited about the future of the MCU, even though Marty Scorsese's right and it's just a roller coaster. What a roller coaster it is. I'm having a good time. I love roller coasters. And yeah, it was nice to just 
experienced a moment of pure joy uh, at this time. <laughs> so <laughs> WandaVision's great. If you haven't checked it out yet, uh, it's on Disney+, Plus. but do check it out if you can. And if you're a fan of Marvel, obviously. But even if you're not, I know people who have watched it who are unfamiliar with the MCU and obviously they don't appreciate it on every level or they, they don't get references. But even those people have been like, I don't know, Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany are, are charming as hell. It's a cool, very weird show. Maybe you'll like it. Even if you're unfamiliar with the MCU, those are my recommendations. Meredith, you got anything? Uh, I did. Let me see if I can remember them now. Uh, (laughs) um, yes. So save yourselves on Hulu. It's a movie, um, about a couple Brooklyn hipster couple who decides to spend a week upstate in the Hudson Valley. So, uh, and they are going to completely unplug. But what that means is they miss an alien invasion. So, (laughs) It is a comedy. That's my fear. That's my fear that if I unplug, something enormous is going to happen, and I'll be like, "What happened?" Oh, yeah. this this film will absolutely like it will hit straight at your heart in so many ways. You will feel very seen and very attacked, uh, and you will also laugh very very hard. It's very funny. Um, it has. It would be a good. Double feature with Palm Springs, another Hulu release. Great movie. Pandemic, obviously. Uh, that also has that millennial sort of vibe to it. But all I can say is there's a fight very early in the movie where the lead actress says, Oh my God, oh no, oh no, my tabs. <laughs> oh, I identify so hard. That's so sad. Yeah, it gets uh, more and more identifiable as you go further. Like it really captures a very specific kind of uh, a kind of anxiety among the you know Brooklyn, New York City creative class. So maybe not for everyone, but I do love those movies that tap into something like that. That's so you can identify with, but then you're immediately like, I have to change my priorities. Yes. You are going to feel that very, very strongly. Uh, I also, uh, you know, because yesterday Christopher Plummer of the sound of music and passed away, uh, everybody should watch the insider, which I was watching while you were watching Malcolm and Marie and you were so happy and I was so mad. And you were yeah. just like, you should just watch The Insider. And I was like, I know that, but I started Malcolm and Marie and I have to fucking finish Malcolm and Marie. So The Insider came out many, many moons ago. 1999. I, so it's 1999. Like, oh, yeah. And because I was always a self-serious film kid, I saw in the theater and I don't remember any of it, but I remember being like, I mean, those were Academy Award winning performances. Even at the time, the cast is fully bananas. And yeah, I remember even as, I I mean, I was a kid when I saw it, but I was still like, wow, that is a film. Oh yeah. (laughs) And it is, I mean, Michael Mann, he of Miami Vice makes a 
two hour, 40 minute character study gripping. I mean, yeah. Do you want to see Denzel? Do you want to see Denzel Washington and Christopher Plummer go head to head in a scene? Is the answer to that? Fuck. Yes, I do. It better be. You said Denzel Washington. <laughs> oh, did I? Oh, because I was yeah. looking at John David Washington's name. So funny. Uh, Al Pacino. Wow. You know, those two very similar actors, Al Pacino and Denzel Washington. No, Al Pacino and Christopher Plummer go head to head in a scene. It's fucking fully bananas. Yeah. Uh, also, it'll remind you just how recently the last time was we let corporations just straight up lie to us about all yeah. kinds of shit that they were doing that was bad. Um, great recommendation. Anything, uh, anything else before we move into all the bad news? I, I'm going to wrap it up there. You covered a lot of stuff. Yeah. I, Oh, and you should see my list because guys, I can't emphasize this enough. I am watching so much stuff right now. Cause I got the time so I probably have my recommendations for the next thousand episodes or so. So stay tuned. On that note, everybody, it's that time of the show. Let's all hold hands and cry. Here's your bad news. So I was going to talk about this in the pop culture section, but I think we can also talk about it in the bad news section, just because I'm seeing some predictably stupid responses to the story, but we've been following the Army Hammer story on this podcast. The update is that he has been uh, dropped by his management company, WME, and his publicist quit as well. So obviously, this has caused people to speculate because up until yesterday, they were standing by him that some big news is about to drop. We don't know what it is. I don't want to speculate, though I have theories. But um, some we knew there was more shit that would come out and uh, it maybe seems like that shit is about to drop. So the reason I wanted to talk about it isn't just to like gossip about this guy's like spectacular spiraling decline, but immediately there was this response about like, come on, we don't even know if the cannibalism thing was true. He was probably kidding because that was the aspect of the story that a lot of publications were sensationalizing and putting in their headlines. So people think that is the extent of the story. It's not. What the story actually is, it's a story about abuse within sexual partnerships. It's about uh, a dude who doesn't think he needs to get consent from people. It's about privilege. It's about class. Army Hammer is from an incredibly wealthy, powerful family. And it's about those things, but all the headlines were screaming about cannibalism. And, you know, obviously, um, unless something drops, like I said, we, we don't have evidence that Army Hammer is actually a cannibal. But we do have many, many stories now from women that he does all kinds of things that are violations, you know, whether it's carving his initials into someone um, ignoring safe words, 
engaging in really creepy power dynamics um, and, and stuff like that. That stuff women have very bravely come forward and talked about, but still so many people think it's just about this cannibalism thing. And we are going to eventually find out whatever it is that's caused, you know, his agency to drop him, his publicist to drop him. And I, it's so frustrating that we're going to talk about the most salacious element of this when, you know, as we talked about in our old, uh, you know, in, in a past episode, like this is about power and about mm-hmm. someone just deciding that he's above any sort of respect for people. And I'm glad that there's a reckoning. It also sucks that it, I'm, I'm pissed that it is required such a huge level like huge outpouring of people sharing their trauma to to get to this point and that he was he's been enabled to this extent um because he's been around for a while he should never have been allowed anywhere in a place that gave him access to vulnerable individuals. I mean, and we've talked, we've talked about this before, but he's just like the definition of, of medium talent and someone who has just been coasting on, obviously he's very good looking, like in a very like classic Hollywood way, like a tall, handsome dude, but he also comes from enormous wealth and privilege and isn't, an incredibly gifted actor has has been in so many lemon movies and Hollywood just kept repackaging him and pitching him because they were like, but look at this guy. He's clearly supposed to be a movie star. And it's like, well, if he was clearly supposed to be a movie star, he'd be a fucking movie star by now. The reason he keeps like failing is he's not very good and he kind of sucks at picking projects and like maybe he's not good maybe he isn't the guy you should be throwing all of your efforts behind when there are like how many other actors struggling actors are out there right now they don't come from wealth they don't come from privilege a lot of them are people of color who didn't you know just coast into hollywood they're not getting this level of support they don't have major agencies behind them pitching them over and over and over again in a room when they have an unproven track record, you know? Yeah. Well, and, and there's a, there's a line in the movie promising young woman, which I know you haven't seen, um, no spoilers, but I am a huge fan. I've, I watched it like three times in the 24 hours. I was, or 48 hours. I had the rental, um, where, so Bo Burnham plays a character and, I think it's Cassie says like, well, you might be good looking or you might just be very tall. Yeah. Like (laughs) Jesus, like tag yourself. And I've been there so much, like, don't get me wrong. Like I I'm a sucker for a tall man. Meredith knows it's a problem I have, Uh, but like, I get it. I get like, and I, I, I think Army Hammer's very attractive. The point is it doesn't fucking matter. It doesn't matter. It's like, okay, do you have a crush on this guy? Fine. We now have, how many women have come forward at this point? I don't even know. Five, six, more? More than a dozen, I think. More than a dozen. More than a dozen fucking women. And actually, this ties into something else we're going to talk about in a second. This compulsion people have to be like, she's lying. Whether it's like the women who are accusing Army Hammer or like AOC talking about how like she thought she was going to fucking die during the Capitol insurrection. That immediate response of she's lying. 
Why does that not cause you to pause and self-reflect about like, why am I so quick to not believe women? What, what do these women gain by coming forward? They're not getting, they're not going to get money. Okay. They're the, they might get a little bit of infamy, but it's going to be the bad kind of infamy where they're going to get like death threats from fucking psychotic army hammer fans. It's going to be really, really bad and painful for them. Why would they lie? Like, it doesn't make any sense. And why are you so quick to not believe them? Why? And I think that the answer is obviously, you might be a fan of this actor, but also misogyny. People just don't believe women. Yeah. And I don't even have, I can't even possibly elaborate on it because I feel like I've said it a thousand times. You know, this is just, it's part of, thousand of a story that happens every couple of years i mean jesus we just had the marilyn manson stuff i know you know that's still unfolding um by the way nobody needs to hear that you don't like marilyn manson's music there's always this like really annoying thing that happens when a story like that breaks where people are like well i never liked him so i knew there was something weird about him and it's like well slow fucking clap for you who gives a shit It's a really shitty thing to say. It's almost like calling the victim stupid where you're like, well, I knew there was something weird about him. How didn't you know there was something weird about Marilyn Manson and you should have stayed far away from him? Fuck you. We like we don't need to hear from you. Yeah. And I like, frankly, if you knew everything was bad, you should have been talking about it. Yes. Oh, Like, what does that say about you if you, like, knew? Did you have, like, hard evidence against Marilyn Manson? Why didn't you fucking come forward? (laughs) Like, where were you to help bust this guy? Yeah. And, of course, the obvious answer is uh, they didn't fucking know, and they just need to be the smartest person in the room. But, again, that should give you pause and a moment of self-reflection where you're like, wait a second, am I a dick? And I don't (laughs) feel like people have that moment enough where you just need to pause for a second. You don't have to tweet. Just quietly self-reflect and be like, am I an asshole? And I'm going to tell you the answer is yes. So you don't have to tweet that thought and you can just move on with your day. There you go. I just cleared up a few hours for you every day. Don't tweet. So I am going to put the Marjorie Taylor Greene story about the House decision to remove her from committee assignments in the bad news section for the following reason. Because Marjorie Taylor Greene now has a ton more free time. And in fact, she said as much once this happened. She said she has been free to push the GOP further right now that she's no longer on committee assignments. She can fly all over the damn country and help raise money for for fringe right-wing candidates who also would love to get into the House um, and invade our democracy. But um, I'm also going to put it in the bad news section because the House vote, everybody, was 230 to 199 which means 199 representatives were A-OK with Marjorie Taylor Greene calling for the assassination of Nancy Pelosi, claiming that Jewish lasers started the fires in California and a bunch of other anti-Semitic bullshit, um, and just being a generally uh, racist, anti-Semitic, QAnon, conspiracy theory peddling um, monster. 199 representatives were like, Marjorie Taylor Greene, welcome to the club. And by the way, she's still in fucking Congress. 
She's still in Congress. She just doesn't get to feel extra special about it. So for that reason, I'm I'm putting it in the bad news section. Yeah, well, she is also the future of the Republican Party. And, uh, and present. As long as the present yeah. and future, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, present, yes, but she's the future because this is what they have... They made their choices, and by deciding to support her because they are afraid of her, and they're afraid of her money, rate, her fundraising abilities, and they're afraid of of her ability to foment violent insurrectionists, uh, the only lessons that she's learning are that she has power, and that if she wants to exercise that power, that she can. And it's she's not going to go away. I think it's really dangerous that she's still in Congress, and... I think it's really dangerous that instead of looking at her district in Georgia and saying, what the hell is wrong with these people and what have we let happen to our country? We say, well, but they elected her. And no, some people are just wrong. And when you believe Jewish space lasers are starting wildfires and that 9-11 didn't happen and you're willing to cyber bully, I mean, harass Parkland teenager and like Sandy Parkland Hook, boxes. Sandy Hook, yeah. Parkland. Like she, she ticks all of the conspiracy theorist boxes. This woman is nuts, and the the Republicans in Congress are like welcome because exactly for the reasons you just listed, they know she's the fundraising future. Where they're like, we need the QAnon people if we're ever going to win an election again. We need the extreme right. They love Marjorie Taylor Greene. Oh, and by the way. While this, all this was happening, Holly was trying to take down Liz Cheney, and it didn't work. But what a bizarre fucking situation to be, especially as a person on the left, to be rooting for Liz fucking Cheney because the right has gotten so fucking bananas in this country that now Liz Cheney and people like Mitt Romney look reasonable by comparison. I know. I mean, it is not comfortable to be nostalgic for a good old fashioned profit motivated genocide as opposed to a race war and yeah. blood libel. Um, this is, uh, these are not choices we should be having to make. No. And it's fucking sad. <laughs> we, we do have to make them now because things are so uh, wild. So I'm sure a bunch of you saw this on Instagram live. Uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez gave her account of what happened uh, on January 6th during the the Capitol siege. And, you know, I I had been saying, like, I'm sure it was terrifying, but it's a completely different beast to hear her talk about what actually happened. Um, And I think a lot of people don't understand about trauma that when you're, you're the person in the moment, it's so much worse because you don't understand the full scope of what's going to happen yet because it's happening to you. And I'm, I saw so many people, you know, there was a hashtag that was like Alexandria Ocasio Smollett because they were comparing her to, to, um, Jesse Smollett. Yeah. Jesse Smollett. Yeah. Who lied and made up a story about being hate crimed when he was not, um, which is obviously a bad thing. Um, but, they were immediately, there was that impulse that we were just talking about to call her a liar and to, or, or to make fun of her and say that she was exaggerating when the whole point is they have the gift of hindsight. So they obviously knew, we all know that 
people did die during the siege, but we know that AOC lived, right? Because this is an event that occurred in the past. When she was in the moment, she did not know that. (laughs) So every second felt like an eternity. And she truly didn't know if these lunatics were about to break into her office and murder her. So that is what trauma is. You know, that that's what causes triggers, um, PTSD, all of it, because she experienced something that none of us experienced ever experienced. And she was brave enough to tell us about it. So instead of just shutting up and listening, the right immediately and not just the right, but, you know, certainly the right immediately well, attacked her. What's Glenn that? Greenwald fucking yes. asshole went yeah. so hard against her. Dude, he is. She, yeah, he's fucking. And by the way, I used to be friends with Glenn. <laughs> like he is so fucking off the rails right now that I'm just like. And it's not just him. This has happened to a few former lefty white journalists I was friends with that I'm just like, what the fuck happened? Is this just part of becoming an older white man? I I do not know. I just, but the fact that, like, you know, and we can bring it back to what you were just saying. The fact that the first reaction from a lot of people of all stripes saying, well, you didn't actually get hurt. So it can't possibly have been as bad as you think. What's wrong with you? Why are you doing this? You must be doing it for attention. You're making it up as if our perception of threat isn't the entire basis for our fight or flight response. Like we are hardwired to have reactions to perceived danger regardless of whether it's real or not. Right. And, and compounded with, she reveals in the video, she is a survivor of sexual assault. Then there was this other video. I don't know if you saw Meredith on the house floor, um, representative Rashida Tlib from Michigan also talked about what happened to not just AOC, but also how she has received constant death threats since she was sworn in. And not just against her, against her fucking family and how she has to go to work every day with that knowledge in her head. And she's crying while she's revealing this because what she's trying to get people to understand is what AOC was talking about was not even just that moment as horrific as it was. It's compounded with everything else they deal with as women of color on the left serving as representatives they don't just get to go to work every day. They have to also worry about, not only could some rando try to kill me, I also work with people who would not care, who might actually be very happy if I'm killed. Well, this is, you know, uh, Cori Bush, new representative from St. Louis, had an unbelievably moving account that she said, that she gave on the floor at the same time that Rashida Tlaib spoke. Uh, about how she and her staff collectively made a decision that if her office was broken into after they had barricaded the doors, that they were going to fight and not like they were like, they made the decision they were going to fight together because they didn't get to Congress after participating in Black Lives Matter protests in in the St. Louis area. It's so fucking crazy 
this that is they not- had to have that conversation. And that that's really what Rashida was trying to like impart on people where she's like, we can't just move past this. It is so fucking wild that this happened. It is so wild that AOC had to barricade herself in a fucking bathroom because she thought a mob was about to break in and murder her. It's so wild that they had to make that calculation where they were like, if they break in here, we have to fight for our lives. And people can't wait to move on. And it's like, it is so nuts that this happened. There needs to be a reckoning. We can't just move on. There needs to be consequences. Absolutely. And people who are saying that they want to move on are saying that they want to leave all of the trauma and all of the violence and all of the negative energy, the destructive energy of that day with people like AOC and Rashida Tlaib and Ilan Omar, that it is their individual responsibility as a function of existing in the world as progressive women of color, that they just have to figure out how to navigate it. And that's just a normal burden that they have to put up with because sorry, like you were born in the wrong body. And that is not what we should be striving for as humans. I don't want to say it's not how we who we are as Americans because obviously <laughs> it is who we are as Americans. It's fully but, on brand, baby. <laughs> but we have an opportunity to do better. Yeah. And that really it's infuriating that there is so much energy being expended to just leave them on their own. To yes. like to expect them to be positive forces for their constituents while also recognizing that every single day there are thousands of people that want them to be dead. And And their colleagues are the reason that this mob got whipped up into a frenzy. Like AOC has to go to work with Ted Cruz. Yeah. And And every time she sees him, she's going to think you fully almost had me murdered. Cori Bush had to move her office. Because she was getting harassed so badly by Marjorie Taylor Greene. Yes. Like, it's wild we ask these representatives to do that. If this was any other workplace in the world and you had a coworker like Marjorie Taylor Greene, you'd be like, this woman's nuts. We got to fire her. (laughs) She would not expect people to work with this woman. She's disruptive. She's peddling conspiracy theories. She's trying to get people assassinated and killed. Unacceptable. But because she's a House representative, it's like, oh, it's fine. (laughs) And you say, like, no, you're not supposed to bring your guns to work. This is sorry, not- Marjorie. Sorry, you can't bring your gun to the floor, especially because you're nuts. <laughs> not that it would ever be okay, but you especially can't do this. Yeah. Um, guys, on that note, it's that time of the show. Here's your good news. <laughs> All right, so I'm putting it in the good news section. The House uh, is fast-tracking Biden's $1.9 trillion stimulus. For the time being right now, it seems like they're sticking with the $1,400 stimulus checks. I've already gone off at length about how they use some tricky rhetorical loopholes to talk (laughs) themselves down from $2,000 
to 1400 even though they repeatedly did not say that during the uh the election they kept saying 2000 but it's good that they stuck with the 1400 obviously huge huge caveats uh with failing to raise the minimum wage there's another little tricky provision where these checks would not go to undocumented immigrants which is obviously bad Nancy Pelosi has said that these things can be reintroduced in committee, but that's like, can you trust Nancy Pelosi? And um, time and time again, she has shown us, no, you cannot. So take that with a grain of salt, obviously. But I will say it is somewhat refreshing. Let's see how much I can couch this compliment. Uh, It is somewhat refreshing to see Democrats be like, all right, you know, we wanted to get bipartisan support on this, but fuck y'all, we're not going to get it, so we're just going to move on. Oh, I mean, I, I'm i terrified to find out. Like, I, I'm fully convinced that despite having been freelancing and cobbling together whatever sort of existence I can muster since June when Patriot Act was canceled, uh I'm probably not going to be eligible for fuck. Yeah. Because money. you, you cleared because the was, cap. Yeah. Yeah. I made more than whatever sort of piddling amount of money they think is the floor, you know, is the, the place where like you can't possibly need any financial assistance if you manage to make that much money, which is uh, so wild because the, the ceiling is so low. Like it really just shows how disconnected they are from like, normal people in this country because they were like well we don't want very wealthy people to get the stimulus and then you see what the actual number is and it's like if you live in a city that does not that income does not even make you wealthy no well and they're trying they were arguing about things like oh if you're making more than fifty thousand dollars then suddenly we're going to start taking money away from you and i'm like wait what (laughs) fifty thousand dollars is like it's true it's it that you are not a rich person (laughs) if you make fifty thousand dollars it is very expensive to live uh, and pay rent and if you have children that like vanishes overnight yeah and this as soon as the checks go out they're going to need to do something again because it's nowhere near as much as it needs to be we don't have the extended unemployment protections these you know the systems are still overloaded people are still suffering and it's not going to stop until things are actually better and it is going to be months until we have any sense of quasi normalcy thanks to the vaccine i was i was a little optimistic and again it's nancy pelosi so take with a grain of salt they have been saying mid-march for the stimulus and now they're saying end of february so If I have to say something kind, I will say at least they're operating with a sense of urgency, um, which is what I think a lot of people wanted to see from them, because I I was very worried they were going to get wrapped up in this whole impeachment thing, which obviously I just said there needs to be like consequences and a reckoning. I think we can do both. But um, I was very worried they were going to just get so bogged down that the stimulus was going to take forever. Yeah, I mean, as much as I hated the stupid name, like, Votorama or whatever they called it, I am pleased that there seems to be that that sense of urgency, as you said, and this desire to actually push things through because people need the help. And that is not something I would have expected 
Yeah, and like they're you know praising Kamala for getting up at like four a.m. and going to vote. It's like I get it, but also yes, <laughs> like y'all get up at four a.m. and go get people money. Like, what are you doing? Like, this is like one of the biggest crises our country has ever faced. Operate with a sense of urgency. Fuck the Republicans. Just get people money. Hand people checks because right. people are like currently getting kicked out of their homes. Yeah, a rec- like the fact that there is some baseline recognition that there's not time for the mealy-mouthed bipartisanship that tends to be so in vogue is encouraging. Like, somebody got the memo. Um, thank God. And we'll see what happens next, but it's a start. It is a start. It's a start, and obviously... Uh, we need to keep constant pressure on the Democrats because Democrats going to be Democrats. So we know what yeah. they're going to do. They're going to water it down. They're going to compromise. Um, those checks could get smaller and smaller and smaller. <laughs> so that's why it's important to pay attention and um, constantly harass them in a respectful way. Obviously don't storm the Capitol. Don't do that guys. So speaking of the impeachment, I do think it's very, very funny that Trump's legal team quit. <laughs> All of them. Every last All of them. Every single last lawyer. Uh, so I'm putting that in the good news section. Anything that causes him like a minor inconvenience, I think is very funny and good news, especially because I don't think this will ever end um, with him going to jail. But it's not fun to be stuck in legal limbo. And I'm sure this whole process is very infuriating for him and um, hurts his ego a lot. So I think that's good. And I think it's deeply funny his legal team quit. Oh, yeah. And he, of course, managed to find a lawyer who took over who looks like the legal equivalent of his weird doctor that died. Um, Because that's the only type of person that would work with Donald Trump. (laughs) At this point, absolutely. It was like, it's always a person whose two career tracks were, were either like, shady fucking lawyer or like used car salesman. And those were their only two options. And they were like, I guess I like the law. And then you're working for Donald Trump. And that is his entire, or you're his doctor. And that is like who he surrounds himself with because those are the only types of people who want to be around him. They're Phil Hartman characters. Yes. (laughs) They're all Lionel Hutz. It's a team of Lionel Hutzes. Which in itself is actually pretty funny. (laughs) So funny. They all have just like wadded up newspaper in their briefcases. Yeah. Um, So I'm putting that in the good news section. Also, this is something that I didn't talk about, but I do think it's significant and like beyond symbolically significant. It's pretty fucking cool that Bernie Sanders is the budget committee chairman. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I think that we can be very happy about the committee assignments uh, and the new chairmanships. Uh, They... Somebody got the memo that uh, maybe the progressive people should be in charge. Yeah, and it is, you know, as a lefty, it gives me a thrill to see socialist senator in charge of budget. It just makes me very giddy in a specific way (laughs) where I'm like, yes, he is. Um, And again, you know, Bernie is but a cog in the machine and can only do so much. But I do think... I've I've been following obviously a lot of the the committee appointments and um, official administration appointments and, and stuff like that and 
They they really 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 made an effort to nominate a di- a diverse body of people, and I th- I do think it will have an impact beyond the symbolic. So. Listen, it's going to be four years of me coming down hard on this administration, obviously. So let me compliment them while I can. Um, I think that was like hugely significant, especially following the Trump administration. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it it cannot be overstated how important it is for us to recognize a certain return to normalcy. I mean, the opportunity to be pissed at the Democrats for being Democrats is in itself a huge shift in the right direction. And the fact that there's actually an indication that they're not just going to Democrat all over the place and maybe, you know, there will be at least discussions about stuff before they capitulate. Um, It's okay to be excited about that because that's like the dysfunction that we experienced for the last four years was so real. It is time to redirect our energy into pushing for things that actually help people and help, you know, help the country. Yeah. I want to leave things on that note. I like that note. Everybody, please follow Meredith on Twitter at Meredith L. Clark. Is there anything you want to plug? Not at the moment. I feel like I'm deep in COVID winter depression so do you want to plug depression i will plug depression uh it is fun to stay in bed there you go being in bed is fun not feeling like pressure that you have to do anything because um you should not feel ashamed about being depressed depression is a real thing and you just gotta let it ride baby no pressure you don't gotta do shit our time on this planet is finite nothing fucking matters just chill let it ride lol nothing matters if you can't afford uh a lot of expensive therapy maybe buy some really nice sheets so that it's nice and comfy in your bed um or weed. Yeah, or weed. And, uh, oh. oh Rosie? Yeah. That's a Rosie endorsed statement, everybody. There we go. All right. Well, yeah. Uh, and if you're a Patreon supporter of mine, go drop those uh, stories, updates, questions, recommendations, all that good stuff. Love hearing from you all. Um, you guys make uh, this not feel like a job. And that's the nicest thing I can say about this. Thanks so much for listening. And while you're at it, stay inside and cause a little trouble.